Welcome to the D.A.R.E. podcast, where it is all about helping people overcome anxiety and panic attacks. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is free to download at dareresponse.com. Now, without further ado, here is the D.A.R.E. podcast. Do you feel the D.A.R.E. response can cover PTSD? What recommendations do you have? So, um, Michelle, want to go first? Should I? Oh, yeah, that's a quick little. Set <laughs> that one up in a nutshell. Okay. Yes, absolutely. You can use there in conjunction to to PTSD. PTSD usually needs, you know, therapy as well to to deal with whatever has happened. But you can use there alongside your therapy to treat the feelings in the here and now. So to to not get you know absorbed by them and um, you know so you stay stuck in those memories. There will help you mm-hmm. know that but move through it and engage back in life so yeah. dear doesn't focus you know on the incident itself that has happened that has led to the ptsd this is what other therapy will cover but it will definitely help you in the here and now because you know when you go to therapy you'll deal with that what has happened but you're living here right you're mm-hmm. living life now and this is where dear comes in super handy to help you move through those moments yeah ptsd uh, like just to over oversimplify the whole thing if you've experienced some sort of trauma then we kind of get stuck in it still feeling like and acting like it's happening now, right? So when old memories come up and we go this through memories of trauma, this is what signals the alarm. So it's kind of like in conjunction, right? Learning how to process. Oh my gosh, I'm not used to this lamp here. I'm <laughs> drop this thing on my head. Sorry, right? So speaking with somebody to process and go through something, some traumatic event that might have happened in the past, but then learn how to not fight a memory of danger. Say so that was, that was danger. And even if somebody maybe has, maybe has a diagnosis of PTSD, not from actual trauma, but maybe from something else. I don't know. It was, Oh, it felt like fear is what seals those memories because fear helps stay alive when there's danger. So there are people who have been in danger. Okay. But it's learning how to say right now, I'm not right now. I'm remembering danger. I have, I'm having a memory of that situation. This thing that I'm experiencing here reminds me of that thing from here. And now my alarm's ringing here, but I'm practicing not fighting here. I don't know. I don't know if I'm overcomplicating this or oversimplifying this right now, how I'm explaining it, but does that make sense to everybody? Very, very well explained, Michelle, I think. Um, just just to go back to, to that earlier question, Frauke, with DPDR, you said that one needs to deal with the situation or emotions underneath that causes it. But how does one know that? I don't even know what I'm feeling when I get DPDR. <laughs> yeah, you don't know because you're so focused on the DPDR. So take your time to notice that moment. What am I really feeling? And my bet is that you are feeling high anxiety. And this is what triggers the DPDR. And then you focus on the DPDR and how to get rid of that. Right. This will take care of itself. You need to address the anxiety and anxiety is best addressed with acceptance, reframing the sensations and moving through it. Okay, next question. I have tried to deal with body sensations when in meetings for eight years now, and they are so terrible and scary that I avoid meeting people, which is a shame because I love meeting people. I have a hard time daring when in meetings as the panic takes over so strong. I forget how to dare, even though I know how to perfectly do it. But so I just become so paralyzed with fear that it's hard to do anything else. Any tips on how to deal with this as I so badly want to be the old me and enjoy being in meetings with other people. Thanks. 
Yeah. And somebody also posted on the Q and a almost the same thing. Hi, I'm struggling with body sensations and it's really getting me down. So that ties right in with that too. You know, the sensations again are not the problem. The sensations are not the problem. In both cases, they're not the problem. They're just sensations. I'm like, it's still, it's, it's still this thing guys, right? Yeah. Does everybody see it though? Cause I know we, we talk, we talk about it more than everybody else does, but like, do you see how it's, Oh, well, what about physical sensations? Oh, well, what about uh DPDR? Oh, what about intrusive thoughts? Right. It, that's this stuff. That's not really the problem. These are all forms of discomfort. It's how we treat it where the problem is. Do you guys get that or not get that? Is anybody still confused about that? Like in the chat, we have, oh, 67 people up to now. Does everybody understand that or starting to understand it? Where even though all these questions seem different and if you're like, well, my thing's heart palpitations. They didn't talk about that. They talked about how to treat DPDR. Like, yeah, but you could kind of just cut and paste the words. Of- you know, in the Dear Advanced call, there was uh, Emma posted or said something really great. And I thought that was so inspirational. You know, it makes a lot of sense, but for the person experiencing this for the first time, it's such a breakthrough. She said, Aida, I had a panic attack, but I was not afraid of it. And I was like, so tell me how that felt different. She was like, well, I just felt my body doing things. And that was it, right? Raw sensations. I experienced sensations. That is it. But that's not the problem. The problem is the, ah, I have yep. sensations. The, oh my God. That's the obsession part is where the anxiety lives, not the sensations. But people always try to get rid of the sensations and stay stuck. I know that we, we sound like a broken record repeating this, but we can't tell you anything else because this is really what it's about. You need to leave the sensations alone, not to obsess about them and any attempt to try and control or change their intensity any attempt to control will keep you stuck so ask yourself really am i trying in even in a subtle way to to make them go away to suppress them to numb them to engage in safety behavior or anything like even if am i using dare this is such a common hurdle i trap people fall into I'm going to do these steps. I am going to run towards my sensations because I know then they will be gone. Mm-hmm. And then or dare get- didn't work because they're not gone. Yes. And then we get the feedback. You know, I did that. I did that, but it didn't work. I did. I hear that so many times, you know, all the things that you say, if you allow it will not get worse. Yeah, but mine got worse. So I'm special. No, you're not. You did put conditions <laughs> on it. You did put conditions on it. Really be aware of putting conditions on, on doing the dare steps or any other exercises. Again, same thing, expect that you will have those, those sensations when meeting people, if you go in already bracing yourself, Oh my God, how bad is it going to get today? You can be sure that it's going to happen today. Go to the meetings regardless. Yes. Because again, it's not the cue on that loop. And that's, that's posted on the Facebook page for the F subscribers. So you guys can see that there. I also posted this yesterday, I think. So again, it's whatever you sent in a question, physical sensations, dizziness, heart palpitations. It's not about that. It's about when you're using dare, what's your attitude? What's the action you're taking? What's your intent? And then the recap afterwards, because this is really where you can make changes. Is your attitude like, oh, here I go again. Oh, it's all back. Or like you're saying, no, I call it the gasping and clutching of pearls. Cause you're like, oh, how do I feel? 
oh my gosh, I feel whatever. It's that. That's where we get stuck or this attitude of, oh, I, uh, why me? <clears throat> it's never going to go away or like reluctantly, right? The opposite of willingness is reluctance. So if you feeling reluctant, going out, doing things like the sense of drudgery and getting through the grocery store and will this ever going to go away, pay attention to those words because that's, that's the, an attitude you can change by how you like approach the situation. Okay. And then the action is like, if you're out, the more you go out and do the better you chance, the better chance you have of practicing, you might accidentally become engaged in here and disengaged in this. Okay. It's not do this to not feel this. Okay. And then your intent, because if you do those two things, if your intent is, is it gone yet? Not it. The intent is do this for the sake of this. Okay. And then the recap is, wow, great job. I went out and did that. Right. I know I felt blah, 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 but I still did it. But if your recap is, yeah, I did it, but I still felt blah, blah, blah. Right. Again, then your intent was to feel better. I know it kind of sounds like we're talking around in circles, but really that's what it is. It's not focusing on feeling better. You do accidentally. You will be, you will start feeling better when it's no longer a goal. Cool. Next question, Michelle, what is your best advice for people who deal with chronic illnesses on top of anxiety, panic? Yeah. Oh, for me specifically. Um, oh no, I just asked you. <laughs> oh, I'm like, <laughs> same thing. And you know, whether it's a chronic illness or chronic pain, we get to, or chronic if somebody's saying 24 seven, right? Usually that's when people think on the worst case scenario, this how's dare going to work for me if it's something I'm dealing with 24 seven. So again, whether it's a uh, chronic illness that, in, that involves like chronic fatigue or chronic pain or um, any, again, anything that's happening all the time, it's, it's weirdly the perfect time to use dare. Because guess what? It's there already anyway. And by the time you found us, you probably spent a whole lot of time and money already trying to get rid of whatever it is you've tried to get rid of. Okay. So that's already established. Whatever you've been able to do, you've probably done. We don't get like the underachievers on these groups. Mm -hmm. We get everybody who's done everything first. And it's like, it, it really comes down to that idea of surrender, of switching. That's when it becomes a focus and attention sort of thing rather than, a, again, alleviation of discomfort sort of thing. And this is the same approach. Like, you know, we're really based in kind of CBT, but a lot of act. And it's, it's switching where your focus and attention lies. So I can be in pain and stare at pain all day long. Like pain is right here, even if it's in my face. And it's here all day long. I can stare at pain or I can just have pain sit here and stare here while this sits next to me. And it's, it works. That's like all the, the daily dares we have on sounds very different. Sounds like they're not the same thing, but it really is like that annoying radio playing in the background, right? Where it's something's happening that's outside your control and you can't change it. And that song is on a loop and you hate that song the most. The answer is you can't change the song, change how you treat the song. Yeah, and do the best that you can with what you have. 
I think this is something that we overlook many times mm-hmm. that we want to get it fixed now. And this is so horrible, the more horrible it's, it feels, the more we think we must do against it, right? That's very natural and human to think and to feel like that. But it, it's really not helpful because with chronic illness, you have one thing to deal with. And then there is the anxiety on top of that, right? So two things to fight. <laughs> but it really, two things. I know it's hard, but really try to do the best that you can with what you have. Take as good care of yourself as as possible. Take all the therapy and treatment and medication that you need for your chronic illness. And everything else is really outside of your control. Yeah. But nonetheless, I think that we can do so, so much for our well-being. So, so, so much. You know, the subtle things in our daily life, we think like, oh, that's not going to help. Like, you know, who cares about nutrition? Who cares about exercise? Who cares about meditation? Who cares about calling a friend I haven't seen in five years? But those things, they do matter because they make us resilient. They take our focus away from staring at the pain and all the things that are going wrong to things that are good because nothing is ever really, really just black and white. Mm -hmm. Nothing is just terrible and unbearable or or super, super, super good. There are shades of gray in all of this. And it's a matter of shifting our focus, which is not easy. I understand that. And I feel for everybody who has, you know, to deal with anxiety and other illnesses as well. Yeah. And what normally comes up in in, after that question is, but I have POTS, fibromyalgia, something like that. How do I know the difference? How do I know if it's like, my chronic illness and how do I know if it's anxiety? What, like, which one do I use there for? And it, it doesn't matter really. Like whether I'm feeling fatigued because I have chronic fatigue in or when I'm feeling fatigued, is it anxiety? Again, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out why rather than that's how I feel right now, regardless of where it's coming from. That's how I feel. And it's learning how to like be with how you feel, right? Fight things that are to be fought, change things that are to be changed be with those things. I, again, we just, if some people are in a constant state of chronic discomfort, I know it's hard, but if this worked, you wouldn't be on the call, right? If this works, then do it. But there's a good chance it's, this is not working. So you get to drop this, all this, like expending all this energy that really is kind of going nowhere. It's just kind of shining the light on something that's already there and just shining the light on it more. Another panic attack question. I'm suffering from panic attacks for 25 years and all this time have been in psychiatric and psychological treatment, which has only been partitionally partitionally successful. I started practicing deer in the last couple of years, but only with limited success. My main problem is it's hard for me to successfully diffuse and accept an incoming panic attack because the panic attack is so horrible and painful that with each panic attack, I feel more exhausted and burned out rather than desensitized and stronger, even when applying the deer techniques. What do you suggest? Marcel. So Marcel, um, (laughs) You know why you are so exhausted and so burned out and even more sensitized? Because you are only enduring it, right? You're bracing yourself, getting ready, then it comes, then you white knuckle or you endure it and then you're like, oh, fuck, Mm -hmm. I'm so tired and done. Really try, try arousal reappraisal. Practice that. Focus only on that. You can control the panic attacks. You know that. No matter how hard you try, you cannot control when they happen. So be prepared, be willing to experience them. And when you experience them, notice how you tense up, notice how you wish it away, notice how you try to control the intensity of it. Notice how happy you are when they're gone. 
that will give you great feedback of, oh, am I doing deer correctly? Mm-hmm. I promise you, everybody who practices arousal reappraisal, all my clients in all those years, not one has practiced that and said, that was horrible. Not one. <laughs> one. They're all like, oh yeah, it takes real courage and it takes time and practice, but it really is a game changer. Yeah. Confidence because yeah. the confidence is grow growing and yeah. you're just experiencing what you're experiencing anyway, but you're experiencing it in a different way. In a very different way, mm-hmm. right? You can say, oh, this is my energy. I welcome it. It's going to feel like a hot flush of energy. Or you can say, oh my God, it's coming back. And this is killing me. And then yes, you are exhausted. Right. right. You'll never become desensitized by, by, to something by tolerating through it because yes. it will keep you sense if you, because you're telling again, like alert and action. If you've been alerted to something and you are again, doing something, but always doing it like this, your alarm, this. Okay. So you can go on a roller coaster that scares the crap out of you and then go on it 500 more times. But if you always write it like this, waiting to, oh, it's just one day. I just want to be able to accept it allow and ride this roller coaster and have it feel great. Well, then you have to practice riding the roller coaster, letting yourself not feel great, but without fighting how you're feeling. So practice writing it, changing your actions and behaviors first. Do you see it's coming anyway? But you're not when you, I think the beginning of the question was, I can't, I can't diffuse a pan. I try to diffuse and allow a panic attack. You're not diffusing a panic attack. You're not, dif- you're not diffusing thoughts. You're not diffusing sensations. You're diffusing the fight of a panic attack. That's where all the difference lies. Because if you're like, oh, it's coming. I better use there to make it only peak to an eight and not like only peak to a four and not an eight. I got to diffuse. It's okay. It's just energy. It's just energy. It's just energy. But if you're frantically doing it, trying to control this, it's the, it's this behavior. That's the problem. Diffuse is for your actions, not for that feeling. Does that make sense guys? That's like one of the parts that everybody gets stuck in. You're trying to diffuse, bring DPDR down from a nine to a four. I'm trying to diffuse a feeling. You're diffusing how you're treating a feeling. And the coming down is a consequence of Mm -hmm. this. Yes. Consequence of of diffusing the fight, right? Not steering it around, not holding the pendulum so it doesn't keep swinging. That's really the hard part. But um, I also, something I wanted to, to note, 25 years of practicing it. Now, I don't know what you have been practicing up until there, but if you have practiced 25 years of trying to get the panic attacks under control, um, yes, it's probably going to take more time, right? But practice it and always, always remind yourself. I find this to be so important. Guys, a panic attack is just your own energy. It's not an external force or an illness that, that uh, you know, got activated <laughs> and now boom, there it is. It flared up. No, it's nothing. It's the energy that is always there. And it goes up and it comes down and it goes up and it comes down. And that's it. No panic attack. It is biologically impossible for a panic attack to go up and to stay up, 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 up there. This is the apprehension, right? It's going to go up and it's never going to come down. I'm going to feel like this forever. Forever. It may go down and come right back up. Yeah, that is true. But it will always go up and come down. And with, with practice, you will notice the pattern. 
And notice, never doubt patterns, people. Never doubt patterns. So when you see, oh, it's going up. Oh, okay, I know it's going to come down. Oh, it's going to go up. Oh, I know it's going to come down. And if you just allow that to happen without stirring it around or trying to control it, it's going to get easier with time. Not an easy thing to do, but absolutely possible. Panic attacks from all the things, honestly. From all the things, panic attacks are the easiest. Why don't you say, Michelle? Yeah, it's the scariest, but it's like, oh, that's what that is. And we had somebody on one of the dare calls years ago. I will always mm-hmm. stuck with me. It's like all these years, like I I've been trying to again, beat this, get therapy for this. And he's like, all these years, it's been me overreacting to an adrenaline rush. My body released this rush of energy. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just me fighting myself. And like, I see Marcel's on here. Hi. So like 25 psychiatric and psychological treatment again. Right. Okay. Well, do you like the roller coaster yet? Is it gone yet? Let's try this. Let's try talking. Is it gone yet? Let's what happened when you were three. Oh, are they gone yet? Because if you're still using them as weapons to get rid of, you will keep your alarm will keep ringing as long as, oh, sorry, I'm shaking this. As long as you you keep fighting, your alarm will keep ringing. But your alarm keeps ringing because you keep fighting. We were never meant to fight fear. Our bodies were not designed to do that. It gives a shit about how you feel. The goal was survival. So your fear comes when there's something fear shows up when it thinks you need it. Okay. And it thinks you need it by seeing what you're doing. So if it's like, I don't know, is there a danger? And it sees that you fought for your life, then it will keep showing up as long as you keep fighting for your life. So Marcel, you're just a really good fighter. You've been surviving for 25 years. That's why you're exhausted. That's why you're tired and frustrated, but it's time to kind of like show your body, like where we're actually safe right now. I'm not in danger because my body's sending me energy to fight danger. So it really is. It's such a nice, um, it's, it's like, I love to see people who have like, I've done all this stuff for so long and it becomes, Oh, I'm just going to do nothing. And it's like freedom freedom to, to kind of like retrain your alarm to say, Oh, you're screaming this time. You can just scream. I'm not going to add the second piece of fight to the equation. Okay. And then again, it's self-regulating system. And you know, you guys, when our clients come to us and they tell us, Oh, you know, I, I went shopping and I didn't have a panic attack. We're like, mm, okay. <laughs> but if they say, you know what? you know what, I went to the shop and I had a panic attack, but I didn't leave. And I said, you know what, bring it on. This mm-hmm. is when we're like, yay! Right? Because it, recovery is not measured in the absence of your sensations or the thing that you're so afraid of. It's no, This is not progression. If your therapist ever asks you, oh, has it come down yet? Is it gone yet? Oh, you did a good job. Right? That comes later. That comes as a consequence. But you being willing, increasing your willingness is always... After normalization, increasing willingness is always the goal of coaching and therapy, right? Increase your willingness, work on that, use analogies, visuals, reread books, talk to people, whatever you do, but make it your goal to to be willing to experience whatever you are afraid of. That is the way to freedom. Right. So like somebody will call me for a one-to-one call. And then after when we're hanging up, I say, okay, I always say, keep me posted and in a couple of days, send me a message or something like that. And then let me know, not, oh, but Michelle, I still feel, oh, but I still have these thoughts. It's okay, Michelle. So this time when I felt this, I did this instead. 
Okay. So it's never about like, I, I'm, the goal is never, oh, but it's still here. I'm daring and it's not gone. Or I feel better. It's like, I'm glad you feel better, but I'm really here to teach you how to, how to treat the feelings you don't like. Cause we've labeled the, we're treating feelings. We don't like the same. We're treating danger and your alarm is just ringing everywhere. It doesn't know what to do. So it's going to err on the side of caution. So it's change how you treat the things you don't like just for the sake of treating them differently. Okay. How to practice dare for things you can do in small steps like fear of flying or rather panic attacks while, while flying. Um, Teresa. Well, Teresa, yes, you're right. It's not so easy to, to, you know, to book flights just to practice dare. But my, my guess is that you have panic attacks because you're in, in an enclosed room that you can leave on your own terms, whatever you feel or you think you, you want to leave. There are other situations where you have to stay where you are without being able to leave. So try and look for those situations. If you have to get an MRI scan, that's really a great way to practice that or anything else um, that, that comes to mind that will trigger the same feeling and go and do that. Be creative. There are always, always ways. I know yeah. I, I read a thing on the internet once and I thought it was so funny. It was a woman who was afraid of having an MRI scan. She prepared weeks ahead for this. And she said, I'm running out of ideas. You know, the last time my husband put me in the closet and left me there for 30 minutes. <laughs> you might as well just have the MRI. <laughs> Right. <laughs> people, people are really um, creative and, and she was determined to practice. So, and you know what? People are practicing to try and not feel scared. Just feel scared. It's okay to feel scared. And guess what? Like use some common sense when you get on the plane, you don't want to get off the plane, right? Like, so if your alarm's like, we can't get out right now. You're like, no shit. We want to stay here and we don't want anybody else to leave either. Right. Again, it comes to that feeling of, I feel trapped and I can't get out. Like, good, good. We want to stay right here. And that's the epitome. Unless you're flying the plane, there's literally nothing for you to do. So your alarm's going to go, oh my God, I got to get out. What if I have to get out? And it's nobody usually ever cares about the plane crashing, not our crew, right? Our crew is like, what if I freak out and I can't get out and I go crazy and they strap me to the seat and, and I have a panic attack and I have an eight hour panic attack and it never goes away. And blah, blah, blah. it's always some worst case scenario. Um, what's happening right now? What if I feel scared again, your response to this voice? Well, I can be scared on a plane. I can feel scared. I can feel happy. I can feel hungry. I can feel scared without fighting scared, without treating scared as danger right? You'll never be ready for a plane until you've, after you've flown on a plane. So don't worry about yeah. being ready to fly on a plane, right? Be ready how you're going to treat how you feel. Nobody really gives a shit about a plane or a train or the color blue or the color orange or dogs or cats. It's how we feel when we're in those situations. Yeah. And if you really cannot find any similar situation to practice, I suggest that you do this just by imagination. So imagine you are flying and really be creative and let the worst case scenario play out over and over. What is the worst thing that could happen for you? 
oh, I could start screaming in the plane and uh, asking everybody to, to help me bring the plane down. Half hard things that are the funniest thing. Nobody would ever do that. But just playing it out in your head over and over will cause the same sensations to arise. Maybe not at the 10 out of 10 intensity, but intense enough so you can practice it. And just by accepting and allowing the worst case scenario to play in your head, you realize like just how how stupid that is. Like that would never happen. You look at it with your rational brain, right? You let your emotional brain play its its fantasies out, but you look at it with your rational brain and you evaluate like, oh, okay, funny thing. Well, I know that's not going to happen. This is a good way to practice um, anticipatory anxiety. Thank you for listening to the D.A.R.E. podcast. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is helping people all around the world to overcome anxiety and panic attacks. You can download the app for free at dareresponse.com.